All right, get your Bible ready, and we're back in Hebrews chapter 11 today, and we're going to, we're going to move our rest of the way through that. Uh, so get, get your Bible ready and uh, you know, your app, whatever you're using. But during this time that we've had to meet digitally instead of meeting physically, and I mentioned how that in a few weeks we're hoping that we can start gradually being able to, to come together and do some things. If you miss that, after we're done, this thing's going to be all uploaded. Then later you can go back and scroll through our countdown and you can find the opening announcement in case you missed that. Uh, but uh, hey, take a moment to, to, to click like or something like that, just so, so we can have some interaction, so we know you're here and uh, you've got your Bible ready. Okay, here we go. Uh, like we uh, were saying, as we've been meeting uh, like this instead of like we would like to, we've been studying about faith over fear. That first week, we talked about safety knots. Remember that? Talked about how God is not surprised. Talked about how that we live by faith, not fear. How that we live sacrificially, not selfishly. How that we are going to shine the light, not hide out. And uh, then the next week, we talked about the perspective. We looked in the Psalms, looked in Psalm 18, about the perspective that we have because of our faith that helps us prevail. Then the next week, we dialed it on down to talk about the nature of faith. What really is it? What are we talking about? Then on Easter Sunday, we talked about resurrection faith. Last week, we talked about faith in the meanwhile, that faith has built into it that whole aspect of waiting, of having to wait, and that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the hope, that joyful anticipation, even as we go through times when it seems like nothing's happening and we're waiting. And that brings us to today. We're going to talk about faith through the storm. And we've been going through a storm of life and we've never seen anything like what has happened. And listen, guys, it's not just here. It's in the whole world. Don't just think this is something happening in America. I've been hearing from a lot of our missionary friends talking about things that are happening in practically every continent on the planet. Well, except Antarctica. Uh, we, we're not sending any missionaries to the penguins yet. But anyway, all the rest of the continents, I've been hearing from missionaries that we're, we're friends with or that we, we, we pray for and support. And everywhere it's just like this, that things are shut down you know, even other religions of where they meet in mosque or where they meet in whatever, they've been shut down. And, and a lot of these places have a lot more restrictions than, and have gone through more isolation and hardships than what we have. It breaks my heart to hear from some of our, our missionaries how that uh, some of the people, they, they haven't been able to work. They haven't even been able to get out and get food that they need. And they can't get to them to help them. So keep praying because this is worldwide. It's not just something that's going on in America. So remember that. And uh, we just don't know how, as we go on, that things are going to play out with this. Uh, we know there are going to be new challenges. We know that uh, there are going to be different trials. And, um, you know, we've tried to flatten the curve, as they've talked about. I don't think anybody meant by that being totally isolated until they come out with a vaccine or whatever. So, so at some point, there is going to be some more spread. At some point, more people that you know might get sick. There may be some different tough times. And, and, and we, 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 as we try to get back to work, we're dealing with financial stresses. Uh, there's just been a lot. This is just so multi-layered as so many things in our lives have been affected by this. But yet in the midst of it, God has worked some change and has gotten our attention and has done some amazing things. So uh, the Lord has used this. And the thing about it is, as we go into the future, God's already there. See, faith knows 
that God is eternal. He's the great I am. He's already in the future. The past is present with him. The present is present with him, and the future is present with him. He's already there, and he's already at work to do amazing and eternal things in the lives of people. So this faith that we're speaking about, as we've been mentioning, it's more than just, you know, having a positive attitude. It's more than just um, trying to speak positive words and things like that. It's all about trusting, submitting, and relying totally upon the Lord for salvation, for what Jesus did on the cross for us, and for everything. And that's the life of faith, of total trust and reliance upon the Lord. It produces action. It produces a lot of things in our lives. Well, the Hebrew people, and we're going to read this as we go through it, the Hebrew people that this was first written to as God inspired his word and it applied to them, and then here it is all the way down through the centuries and applies to us today. But these Hebrew people that had received this first They had become Christ followers. And because of that, many of them were suffering emotionally. They were suffering physically. They were suffering economically. Many of them were disowned by their family. Uh, They were ostracized as far as their businesses or trades went. Many of them suffered in so many ways. And some of them were, quite frankly, thinking about just throwing in the towel. There was so much pressure, so much persecution that they were thinking about quitting. And that's why if you back up a little bit to chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35, he says, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Don't throw away that confidence. And that confidence is part of what comes along with our faith. It's that assurance, that confidence. And then he goes on to say, for you have need of endurance. That's another thing that comes as a result of our faith. He says, you have need of endurance in verse 36, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Remember that promise we've been talking about over these weeks? And then he quotes some Old Testament, for yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Isn't it amazing? The Old Testament saints were believing that promise, which had something to do not just with a promised land, but a promised one that was coming. They were looking for that promise of the first coming of Christ. They didn't understand how that the first coming would be separated by amount of time before he rules and reigns forever, after he comes back the second time. But you and I are living on this side of the cross, and we are waiting on that promise of his return and that resurrection glory. So he quotes Old Testament, he who is coming will come and will not tarry. And then he pulls from Habakkuk chapter 2, where he tells us God's plan was always that we live by faith, even during the law. And that's in verse 38, where he says, Now the just shall live by faith. If anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. And then he gives a word of affirmation, like, But we're not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. He gives them all kinds of encouragement right there. He encourages them not to throw away their confidence. But you know what? Sometimes bad things do happen to what what we think of as good people, doesn't it? I mean, and he doesn't want them, even though they're, they're, they're great people, he doesn't want them to throw in the towel. They're going to have to live by faith, even through the storms that they're going through, through the tough times. Now, I know that you got all kinds of TV preachers out there that are saying this stuff like, you know, if you just have faith in God, that nothing bad's ever going to happen to you. And that you just be healthy and wealthy and all of that. Um, you know, and usually their definition of living by faith involves planting a seed of faith, which is other words for sending money to them. You know, that, what, what many of them are saying goes totally against what Jesus said. I don't know about you, 
I tend to listen to Jesus a little bit more than I would want to listen to some of these guys. Jesus actually said this about life in this world. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said, In the world you will have tribulation. Not might have, he said, you will have tribulation. Then he said, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So in Christ we have peace, we have hope. In the world we have tribulation. This isn't heaven yet. Maybe some of you have been praying through these tough times that we're going through. You're praying, and it seems like you, things are getting worse instead of better. You've been praying about uh, your, your unemployment. You've been praying about you know, your, your job that's, that's you know, uh, not sure how things are going to go, maybe with your business. And instead of getting better, things are getting worse. Maybe some have been sick. Maybe you're praying for your health, and you just get sicker. Has that ever happened to you? Um, does that mean necessarily that God has forsaken you or that your faith is no good? Not at all. Not at all. True faith trusts God through the storms. That's when you find out what your faith really is made of. It's when you go through the t- trial, through the storm. It sees that there's a bigger, more eternal uh, purpose of God that is going on. And there's illustrations all the way through Hebrews chapter 11. That's why he just mentioned the just shall live by faith, and he picks that right up, and he, he uh, describes to us what faith is like when he says faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen in verse 1. Then in verse 2, he says that by it, the elders obtained a good testimony, a good report. Then he begins to just bring that testimony out. He goes all the way back to the first one from Adam, his son Abel, and about how that, that by faith he offered the excellent sacrifice. Then he goes on down through time, and we've come through that, and he's talking about great, amazing things that has happened. And we've come all the way down to verse 30. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read verse 30 now through part of this, and we're going to draw some points out of here about what happens now as we go through, the li- through our lives, trusting God through the storms. Verse 30 says, By faith, it's by faith. The walls of Jericho fell down after, you know that story, remember that? They were encircled seven, uh, seven days. And then he talks about, verse 31, By faith, the harlot Rahab, who uh, she didn't perish with those who didn't believe, that was in Jericho uh, when she had received the spies uh, and, and all of that. Uh, she, she believed God's word. She believed God's promise. And wow, what amazing thing happened in her life, through her life. Whole great stories here. One after the other. And he goes in verse 32, What more shall I say? For time would fall, fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and also David and Samuel and the prophets. Listen to this. Who through faith subdued kingdoms. They worked righteousness. They obtained promises. Stopped the mouths of lions. Quenched the violence of fire. Remember the three Hebrew children? The fiery furnace, yeah, stop or quench the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, it turned to flight the armies of the aliens or of the foreigners. And then in verse 35, women received their dead raised back to life. I mean, these are amazing stories. And he shows us what the power of God can do. So here's the first thing. Mature faith, it recognizes even during the storm what the power of God can do. Did you get that? Mature faith realizes the power of God. And I mean, I love these stories. The, all these, the walls of Jericho falling down. I mean, one of my favorites has always been Daniel in the lion's den. I mean, that's, I mean, 
By faith, he trusts God. He's willing to die, but God delivers him as he's thrown into that lion's den. And way back then, kings kind of had the habit of keeping like lions and tigers and making sport out of them. And, you know, come to think of it, people have been messing around with and abusing tigers and lions for, for like thousands of years. But anyway, he threw him in this den of lions and God gave them all, you know, lion lockjaw. And they, they didn't bite him. And, and, you know, I can imagine Daniel as he's in there. And he just kind of snuggles up, you know, against some of those. And they're probably purring. And he just snuggles up, gets between a couple of them, and just pulls out his Old Testament scroll and just starts reading between the lions. <laughs> Sorry about that. The, the pun, that is. That's just part of your pun-ishment, I guess. But I love those kinds of stories of victory. And you know what? We can testify of God's victory in our own lives as, as we've gone through crazy things and crazy trials. And um, you know what? When bad things begin to happen, mature faith realizes the power of God, that God can do anything. And we know this from our own life. We know this from examples in Scripture over and over again. So that's the first thing. But there's something more than that, and that is that mature faith recognizes the purpose of God as well. Now, sometimes we're going to go through storms, and I don't know whether you guys know this or not, but we're actually recording this a little bit ahead of time, and I don't know if you can hear it, but there is a storm that's hitting right now on Friday afternoon. Okay, so we're going to, it's kind of like God's giving us an extra on this metal roof illustration of the storms that can hit. Now, by the time this premieres, I think it's going to be a beautiful day. So we're going to get through the storm, right, by the time you see this. But sometimes God has a different purpose. So that's the second thing is that God, or that we not only, when we have mature faith, realize the power of God, but we recognize the purpose of God. God doesn't always work the way that we think He's going to. He doesn't always deliver us the way we think He should. In verse 35, remember when we were reading there just a moment ago, we stopped in the middle of the verse. Because after He says the women that received their dead raised to life, He says others. Underline that word others. These others were also people of faith, just like He's been talking about. They were people who trusted God just as much as the ones who were delivered. But he says others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. You know, they might could have been delivered had they denied God. They might have been delivered had they denied the faith. But instead of doing that, they had, they had resurrection faith. They were looking forward to the promises of God. And so that was what they had in view. It propelled them forward. But they were tortured not accepting deliverance. They were uh, uh, all kinds of horrible things. Verse 36, still others had trials of mockings and scourgings, yes, of chains and imprisonments. Verse 37, they were stoned. Now, any of the young people watching, when it says that, it means they were basically hit with rocks until they died, okay? Have to explain that one. They were stoned, stoned many of them to death, and it says they were sawn in two. They were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Then he says, of whom the world was not worthy. I mean, here's folks that the world wasn't even worthy of their presence, and look how that they were allowed to treat them. He says, they wandered in deserts and in mountains and dens and caves of the earth. 
Wow. So some of these others went through these times. They were people, hey, they were people that God loved too. They were faithful people as well. The prophet Zechariah was stoned to death. Isaiah is legend or tradition tells us that he may have been one of those that was sawn in half. You remember even in the early church, Stephen was uh, stoned to death in Acts chapter 7 because of his faith in Christ. Early Christians, as we study history, we find out in those, those years right after the writing of the Bible that many of them were actually fed to lions as sport, uh, that they were dipped in tar and set on fire and burned alive as human torches. Uh, history tells us some of them were crucified. Some of them were sewn up in bags with poisonous snakes. Some were tied to beaches at low tide and then allowed to drown. These are things that happened to people who probably were stronger in the faith than some of us. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say this, that you better not get your theology from circumstances. Because if you do, sooner or later, you might, because of tribulations that can come, you might get the idea that God doesn't love you. Because things will happen. Remember in John chapter 11, it says that Jesus loved Lazarus and his sisters. Then Lazarus falls sick. They send Jesus word that, hey, he's sick. They've, they've seen and they've heard about Jesus healing people. And uh, Jesus delays. And then later he tells his disciples, he says, Lazarus is dead and I'm glad. I'm like, what? You're glad? Why could Jesus say that? I mean, later he's going to stand at his tomb crying. He said that because he knew that he had a higher plan. And he still loved them. But if they had gotten their theology from their circumstances, they would have thought that he didn't. And it's not that they didn't struggle with this because Martha meets him and it's like, hey, you know, if you had gotten here, he wouldn't have died. She still had faith that he could have done it, but it's like you didn't, you didn't come through. And, you know, Mary kind of felt a little bit that way too. Uh, so it's not that we don't sometimes struggle with it, but they still had faith in him. See, difficulty doesn't mean that God's abandoned you. Just because you go through difficulty, you can read all through the Scriptures and you're going to see that some of God's faithful servants went through, well, nearly all of them went through very difficult circumstances. Romans chapter 8, Paul went through a lot of them. He says in verse 35, listen to this question, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? From the love of Christ, that he's always going to love you. He asks, he says, shall tribulation or distress, he says, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. Can any of these, th these things, does that mean we're separated from his love? Then he goes on in verse 37 and says, yet in all these things. Did you get that? In all, through all, during the time of tribulation, distress. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. He doesn't promise to keep us out of hardship. He doesn't promise to keep us out of troubled times. But what he does promise is to never leave us or forsake us during those times. He goes through those times with us. Over in chapter 13 of Hebrews, he tells us in verse 5, he quotes from the Old Testament even, where he says that, the, that I will never leave you nor forsake you. He tells us that, God will never leave us. He's always going to be there. Real faith does not judge by circumstances because mature faith 
recognizes the purpose of God that may be beyond our ability to understand. If you have to understand and logically process everything, then you're not living by faith. If you could understand all the great purpose and why God allows some things to happen and not happen and things like that, if you could understand all of that, then when you stand before the throne of God, you could probably just march right up there and tell him to move over. There's now two of you because you'd be as great as God. And I'll guarantee you that ain't going to happen. John the Baptist almost stumbled with this. You know, it's not that these times don't come, but we get through them. After John the Baptist had baptized Jesus and his ministry drew to a close and John the Baptist was thrown in prison, after a while, things maybe didn't progress quite as fast as he thought they would. And he began to maybe doubt. So he sent some of his disciples to Jesus and said, Hey, aren't you the one? Did I mess up here? Aren't you the one that was coming? Or am I supposed to look for another? I mean, did I mess? He had that moment. And Jesus sent back reassurance to him by quoting Old Testament passage and then testimony of what was happened. And uh, it's not that, and and, and listen, um, Jesus gave him an honest answer and he'll do the same for you. And it's not that Jesus couldn't get John out of prison. He just had another plan. And it's kind of like he ends up saying, blessed, not only is the man that can stand at the Jordan and preach it and give it, but can stay in prison and take it. And John did. And John entered into glory, but God allowed the means of that to be having his head cut off. I don't understand that. But I know on the other side, it looks different than it does from this side. Um, so there was that. And then, it's, it's, so it's one thing to have faith to escape. And you know what? If he, unless he's told you you're not going to escape, I always pray for it, right? You know, because he may deliver you from the sword. He may deliver you from the lion's den. He may deliver you. Do you remember the three Hebrew children? They said, you know, that our God is able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow. See, they had faith, whatever. Lord, it's in your hands. It's one thing to have faith to escape. It's another thing to have faith to endure. It's one thing to have faith to be delivered. It's another thing to have faith to be willing to die. Stephen died by faith. I mentioned him earlier. It was his faith that allowed him to take those stones. When had he turned and renounced Jesus and renounced faith in Christ, they wouldn't have done it. But it was his faith in Christ, and he, he loved him enough. Jesus had died for him. He was willing to die for Jesus. Faith, listen, is not necessarily receiving from God what you want. It is accepting from God what he wants and what he gives trusting him. So the big question today, if you're sick, is may not be, do you have enough faith to be healed? Certainly God can heal you. But maybe the bigger question is, do you have enough faith not to be healed and still praise him and still trust him? Others. Did you hear that? Others. Others did not escape, but they died by faith. They were tortured. They were imprisoned. Same faith. So face it, the ways of God are beyond us. And it's not sometimes that God cannot do it. It's just he may not do it because he has a higher purpose. I've already mentioned Stephen. Uh, no one else could have known this. I mean, but Stephen knew as he, as he was being beaten to death with those rocks that that, that first moment in glory was going to make him forget about the, the agony of that. But who could have known that during that time that that was going on, that there was a young Pharisee that was sitting there 
that not only saw this happen, but he also heard that sermon that Stephen had preached, and it's recorded in Acts chapter 7, where he did like we're doing. He started with Abraham, and he went all the way through to their present time, tracing this out, that that young Pharisee named Saul would soon become Paul. In Acts chapter 12, we find that James is put into prison, and then Herod kills him with a sword. Then later, we find out Peter is put into prison, and an angel comes and sets him free. And we, we find out that the church has been praying for both of them. And so why was it that God let James be killed with a sword, and then Peter be set free? In fact, was it because Peter had more faith? No. In fact, when the angel come in, he had to kick him to get him awake. And Peter thought he was having a dream. He didn't think it was real. Uh, so what, what is the deal with this? Why did, why did this happen? Um, why, why James? Why did he have to die and, and not Peter? Why did, did God love Peter more than he did James? No. Sometimes God's purposes are beyond us. So mature faith realizes the power of God, recognizes the purpose of God, and then mature faith remembers the promise of God. That takes us to verse 39 and 40. He says, all of these having obtained a good testimony through faith. He said, all of these, all of these that I've just talked about, Great testimony through faith. They didn't receive the promise. They all died waiting for more that God that they knew God was going to do. These all died looking even for the Messiah who's going to come and die on the cross for their sins. Then he said, verse 40, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. That is, we are connected with them to that same promise. We're a part of this with them. They were on that side of the cross looking toward, and we're on this side of the cross looking back. They were looking for the first coming of Christ. Now we're looking for the second coming, but we're all part of one thing. Mature faith remembers the promise, the promise. Even though they didn't receive it during their lifetime, they received it right then immediately after. Amen. God's promises will always ultimately be fulfilled. His promises are always on time. His schedule's a little different than our schedule, right? But he's always on his time. Now, we're to have faith in the Lord, and we are to remember his promise even when we're going through those storms and these trials that we don't like, and you're not supposed to like it. But we got to go. Some of them, he'll take us around, but some of them we're going through, and he's going to take us through. Can you praise him anyway? Do you have enough faith to do that? Habakkuk 3.17 says, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Can you say that? Here's one last thing I want to mention before we wrap this up. Mature faith not only mature faith not only realizes the power of God, recognizes the purpose of God, and remembers the promise of God, but mature faith overcomes fear with fear. Now it might sound a little bit weird what I just said. Stay with me. The right kind of fear will dispel all other kinds of fear. See, faith isn't so much just the opposite of fear, and we've said that probably many times. Faith actually does involve fear, but it's a different 
kind of fear. I'm talking about the fear of God. I'm talking about the fear of the Lord, which is a holy reverence and awe and respect of God. It's not the kind of fear that an abused child has when he flinches every time dad raises his arm. It's the kind of respect and wonder that's illustrated by the disciples when they began to realize that Jesus was more than just a moral teacher or, or, a, or a rabbi or even just a Messiah prince, that he was more than that, that he was actually God in the flesh. One of my favorite stories that illustrates that, uh, Luke tells us that story in Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 25. And they were on a boat, and they were crossing the Sea of Galilee. Remember that story? And the storm came on them suddenly. And and, and the way the terrain, the geography is, many times these, these systems would come rolling off the mountains to the north and explode down into that valley, and the storm would just like, boom, be right there. And so they're out there on this boat, and the storm comes suddenly, and, and all of a sudden the waves come up, and all of a sudden the ship is tossed, and, 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 and the weather started getting rough, and their tiny ship was tossed. But... There was a big storm that came up, and, and they were taken on water, and it looked like they were going to capsize for sure. And they have to go down and wake Jesus up. Jesus is asleep. I mean, how could you sleep? Or at least he's pretending to be asleep. And they go down there, and, and they, they say, hey, don't you care that we perish? In other words, it's like, Jesus, by the way, do something. We're, we're all in the process of dying here. And I don't know what they thought he was going to do. I don't think they expected him to do what he did. I mean, see, you and I have read the story. We already know. Maybe they thought he'd help row. Maybe they thought he'd help bail water. Jesus gets up and he goes up and he says, peace be still. And whoosh, no more storm, no more wind, no more rain, no more waves. I take it that the waves that were rolling just stopped and it was calm. Maybe he spoke in his own native language and just said, shalom. Well, the story tells us that after that, it tells us in verse 25, the last part of verse 25 in Luke chapter 8, it says, see, they were before they were afraid, but now it says, and they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, who can this be? For he commands even winds and water, and they obey him. See, before, they were afraid of the storm and afraid of dying. Now that fear has been replaced with a totally different kind of fear as they realize this isn't just a man in the boat. This isn't just a rabbi in the boat. This is God in the flesh in our boat. The creator that created everything that is, is in our boat. And they were, they were in awe and fear and amazement. What was more overwhelming to them than having a deadly storm outside the boat was having the Creator, God, over the whole universe inside my boat right now as they saw what they did with the storm. Now, there's been a meme that's been circulating lately saying we're all in the same storm, but we're not all in the same boat. Maybe you've seen that. Maybe you've forwarded it. And there's a lot of truth to that. I think you just go one step further. Don't overlook who is in the boat with you. It's not all just that we're not in the same boat, but who's in the boat with you. When you have God in your boat, you may be in total awe of Him and have that holy, reverent fear of Him. And if you have that, then you don't have to fear anything else. 
Mature faith overcomes fear with fear, the right kind of fear. You don't have to be afraid of what's outside that boat when Christ is inside that boat with you. So I just got one last question. Got God in your boat? Because if you do, you don't have to live in terror or fear of what's going to happen or what you're going to do. You can walk by faith. He will not fail you. And you can have victory over fear, faith over fear. Pray with me. Father, thank you that your word gives us this truth of who you are. Your word is alive and powerful. Speak to our hearts. Help us to have trust. Help us to have faith in you, even during the midst of the storm. I pray for those that need to make a decision right now, those who need to publicly um, profess their faith in you. And Lord, those who maybe have just been doing their own thing and leaning on their own strength and not trusting you, not realizing that they need to invite you into that boat, into that, that journey of life, and follow you by faith. In Jesus' name, amen.